Welcome to Coffee and Tea with SNL. Everything you love about your favorite coffee shop, all wrapped up in a podcast. I'm Lisa, and I'm passionate about tea, travel, good food, and great conversations, and anything that makes me grow. I'm Sabine, and I create spaces that people enjoy. I'm also a wife, mother of two, a coffee lover, and enjoy a great scented candle. We're two great friends committed to living our best lives and seeing others live theirs. Welcome to Coffee and Tea. Ariel Lewis, welcome to Coffee and Tea with SNL. We have my new BFF, favorite girl boss thus far, Ariel Lewis, with us today. And she is a makeup artist extraordinaire. And she is the owner and founder of Ariel Lewis LLC. And she has a couple of other businesses under that, including A-List Experiences, which you will hear her talk about. But Ariel, we are interviewing you at the Westin in Alexandria. Do you want to explain why? Well, first, first, we should mention what we're drinking. Yeah, right, what's in our cup? Let's start with that's what's in our thing, cup. Right? That's our it's first thing. So, Ariel, what's day. in your cup before we go in? Yes. <laughs> in my cup is a hearty glass of rosé. Yep. I think it's a 2014. Okay. I have no idea where it's from. Really yes. doesn't matter. But after you hear the backstory of why we're at the Western Alexandria and not in my office in Maryland, right. you'll understand why this glass of rosé was needed. <laughs> Sabine, what's in your cup? So I have, which I typically have a cup of coffee, I have <laughs> a white Zinfandel today. Yes. And again, you'll hear more about that later. Indeed. What's in your cup, Lisa? So yes, I have a Cab Sav, my go-to red wine, um, in my cup. So Ariel. <laughs> yes. So our day started with us coming to your studio in Maryland. As you know, our interviews usually happen where our girl boss works Mm -hmm. and um, we got there and you received a call. Do you want to tell people what our day was like today? Sure. So essentially what happened was as soon as you all walked in the door, which in all proper form, perfectly planned, we've had it on the schedule for over a month now. Um, I was really looking forward to it. I opened the door gracefully. My dog greets you. (laughs) You're walking into my office. And about three minutes later, I, my phone is blowing up. And I'm like, what in the heck is going on? Why does this person keep calling me? So naturally, by the third phone call, I assume there's an emergency. Um, And as being a business owner in the weekends being the predominant part of my business, I'm like, I have to answer it. I'm looking at the calendar, however, and there's nothing scheduled for today besides you guys. So I'm confused, but my gut tells me to answer the call. And it turns out this is never in almost 10 years of business happened to me. This is like the nightmare that I've always had that has never happened. And y'all caught it live in action. I get a call from the maid of honor saying, hey, where are you? We're expecting you right now. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Uh, Turns out that somewhere in human error, there happened to be a misstep. And the wedding that I was fully prepared to be on site for tomorrow morning in Alexandria, Virginia, was in fact today at the exact same time that our podcast was supposed to be going down. So I very calmly looked you both in the eyes and said, hey, ladies, you want to take this show on the road? Because here's what's going down. Yeah. And I have to say, I was so impressed. I mean, we came to you already impressed by you. But the way that you handled everything today, like, as you said, this was the biggest emergency you've ever had in 10 years of business. I wish people could have seen you. You were like, okay, can you can we do this on the road? Like it was 
you were so zen, so calm, so together. I was just so impressed. And we were like, sure, we can. Because you were so confident. We're like, yeah, we got Yeah, We don't know, we what's don't going even know on, what we're doing, what but expect. let's go. Right. Literally within 10 minutes, you were in the car with all of your makeup stuff. And yeah. you had a bag. And and we were out the door. Out My the door. motto in life is like at every crossroads, at everything that life throws your way, you've got two choices. And one is to crumble and one is to like persevere. And in that moment, I just felt like, okay. Because I'm so conscientious of people's time, right? Like we had this scheduled. I didn't want to let you guys down. I certainly don't want to let my client down. I just feel like my armor comes up and I was just like, all right, what are you going to do, Ariel? You going to crumble or are you going to make it happen? And immediately my gut was like, you're going to make it happen. Come on. We can, we can do this on the road. We can talk. We will make it work. Like, and if you put that energy out there, everybody else is more likely to just say, Hey, like if you feel confident that we can do this, I feel confident that we can do this. But if you're panicking and you're like, ah, here's what's happening. I'm so sorry. Like let's reschedule. That wasn't even an option to me. It's like y'all came up here from Philadelphia to do this with me today. I was really looking forward to it. We were too. This is a crisis. You, you say that you want to interview girl bosses, right? You say that you're all about entrepreneurship yeah. and boss lady life. Let's like go. you want to be real. This is, this is real life. Here, here yeah. you go. I wasn't anticipating this. You couldn't make this up. I couldn't stage this if I wanted to, but so true. let's roll with it. Yeah. So before we go any further, we're going to let you guys listen to our conversation recorded while <laughs> we were on, on our way to Alexandria. <laughs> that was great. We literally were like, Hey, listen, I think it could be really good. <laughs> like, for your podcast to just, just hear it the frantic panic <laughs> in in real lifetime, and we i mean you all attest uh, just a kudos to both of you 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 rolled with it you packed up that gear as quickly as you had set it up if not faster and like got your zoom mic ready to go and started literally interviewing me on the ride up and most of what you're going to hear guys is me in a state of sheer panic internally but outwardly holding it together and making it happen. Ariel, please tell me what is going on right now. So right now, you guys literally came up to my office ready for this podcast interview, which I had been really excited and looking forward to. And five minutes before you guys walked through the door, I kept getting phone calls and I decided maybe, just maybe, this is an emergency. And turns out it is the biggest emergency my business has had in 10 years. I had a bride call me this morning telling me that her wedding is today, when in fact, all of our documentation and contracts and email correspondence between her assistant and myself shows that it is for tomorrow. But being that this is a wedding and not a birthday party or some other sort of thing that I could just say, sorry, you messed up, I had to drop everything, including packing you guys up and bringing you into my vehicle to take you to Alexandria, Virginia with me to go make this bride look beautiful. That's what's happening. So you look completely calm to me. I know you mentioned that this is the biggest emergency that's happened in your business in 10 years. Like, I hope I handle small emergencies like this, much less the biggest emergency. Can you explain how you're feeling? Because you look completely as cool as a cucumber right now. That's a huge compliment. I mean, I don't feel as cool as a cucumber on the inside. I think that just years in business in general and maybe not such a big you know, hump in the road as this one, but just other examples of things not going the way that I thought that they would, especially working in bridal has taught me like, there's no use in panicking. If you panic, you're doing everyone a disservice. You can't come through for your client. You can't come through for yourself. It just doesn't help anything. So I tap into this like very 
zen mode, even if it's kind of a facade, it's working, like fake it till you make it, fake that you're calm until you pull up and get it done. And then I'll probably panic after it's all over. I'll go back home to my husband and be like, you'll never believe what happened to me today. It was insane. And I'll go deep diving into the emails and figuring out. But like my goal right now couldn't possibly be to determine where the flaw happened. Clearly there was a flaw somewhere. Something broke down, whether it was with my admin or with my, you know, with the bride herself or with whomever, uh, myself maybe. I mean, I don't know. I don't know where that flaw happened, but clearly it happened somewhere. Right now is not the time to figure that out. Right now is the time to like fix it. You mentioned a couple of things. The fact that right now it's time to fix it. How do you, what's your step process, I guess? How did you know what to do now versus something else? So like a very linear thought process happened, which is not normal for me. I'm a creative, right? So I think like very uh, web type thought. But in a moment of panic, I think that my senses just kind of go to how do I problem solve and how do I execute delivery of this, you know, how do I deliver a solution to this problem? Well, at this point, we were supposed to get started at 1045. It's 1138 right now. So it's not humanly possible that I myself would be able to take care of five people, including the bride, arriving at 1218, which is my ETA at this point. But if I have an assistant with me, which was not part of the original game plan, which the bride was not charged for, I can absolutely do it. So I called on one of my artists that I know lives in the Virginia area. She said she could arrive within 20 minutes. She is an incredible like example of what teamwork is. She dropped everything to like come and follow this through for me. She'll arrive and take care of some of the bridesmaids. I'll arrive and take care of the bride and her maid of honor. And absolutely we can get done on time by 2.15 just like executing it this way and I would never charge the bride for this assistant because it's not her fault so it's just taking it humbly on the back as a business owner again not knowing where the flaw happened per se but knowing at the end of the day it's my responsibility because it's my business it's my name on the website I'm going to make sure that my artist gets taken care of and that nothing affects my bride and that she just feels calm and like you know what a hiccup happened but at the end of the day the Ariel Lewis team came through and made everything flawless. You mentioned how there's clearly a huge difference between a wedding day versus graduation or a party. How does that translate into your work and, yeah, what a work day looks like for you? So just keeping in mind that it's almost this added pressure of it's a one-shot deal for me. Like, there is no redo. There is no, hey, I'm sorry I messed that up, but, like, please, here's a $100 voucher to our business. Use this for your next wedding. <laughs> like, that doesn't work. So... I really just have to preemptively know that hiccups might happen from time to time, but I, I have an incredibly large and wonderful team of artists that I know I can rely on. So if I need to make that emergency phone call, and that takes years, right? That takes years of rapport. That takes years of just like built up relationships and trust um, for them to be able to be to the point where they would drop everything to come see it through for me. Not everybody has that in their back pocket. But again, that doesn't just come from nowhere. That doesn't just come from a brand and a name. That comes from constant you know, team culture and relationships that were built on a foundation that said, hey, if this day ever comes, I'm going to call on you. And if it ever happens to you, you can call on me. Can you say a bit more about how you got to that point? Like, So how did you go about building that? team and that network of women? I think that's a really good question because I'm still <clears throat> sometimes kind of questioning myself on how the heck did we get here. I think that the reality of it is though that from day one I realized I, I was really shy about being the boss. I was really shy about them calling me their boss. In the beginning 
I wasn't looking at my business in a way that was like, this is a business and I'm the owner and the CEO and everybody works for me. Like that was never my mentality. My mentality has always been like, I'm a talented girl who's got big ambitions. I'm going to find other talented women that have big ambitions. And together, we're going to build something that will be mutually beneficial to everyone. And so that was the beginning of the team culture sense of like saying, hey, you don't work for me. You work with me. You're linked arm in arm. You're right at my level. Now, deep dive into the back end logistics of the business. You don't co-own this business with me. You're not, you know, forwarding the money to help the marketing or to help the you know, daily tasks that it take to keep a business thriving. That's all on me, but I treat you in a way that makes you feel like you are right there with me because I, I genuinely do feel that way about you outside of the back end logistics portion of it. So that's a big part of um, something that naturally happened that I'm grateful for. I developed relationships that weren't friendships, right? So it's the difference between saying, hey, every single girl on my team comes over for Sunday dinner and we like talk about our kids and about our marriage and about like all of our deep dive problems. Like, no, that's not it. There's a difference between my social life and my business life. But in my business life, there's like a mutual respect and a foundation of just like, you know, you don't, you're no less than I am. Without you, I'm nothing. And without me, you don't have what you have either. So, like, let's just res mutually respect each other in this way. And then following through with that with, you know, I don't know, the same way that you build up any relationship. You, you, you put in the time. You talk to them. You hear about their life goals. A lot of my girls, I'd say about 75% of my girls have told me they don't want to work for me forever. They want to eventually have their own thing. In this day and age, being an entrepreneur is super sexy. Everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Everybody wants to have their own business. And, like... I think a lot of old school mindset of owners would say, well, then you can't work for me because you're just going to steal from me. And that's just opposite of how I feel. You talk a lot about how not everyone should be an entrepreneur. So who would you say should think about owning their own business? I mean, truthfully, working for somebody else is easier on so many levels. I mean, anybody who's tried the entrepreneur thing and succeeded or not succeeded will attest to that. There's just no way that you can't. The truth is when you've got somebody else who at the end of the day, it's their name on the website, their name on the t-shirt, their name on the brand, they're the ones that are going to fall for all of the things that happen. That's a tremendous amount of stress. If you can't deal with that kind of stress, if you can't take accountability, if you can't say, look, I'm willing to say, hey, even if it's not my fault, it is my fault because it's my name on the website, uh, then it's probably not for you. It's also probably not for you if you're the type of person that like has really great spurts of energy where you're really, really good at building something and you've got these great grandiose ideas and you start executing them and then like 75% of the way you get bored or you get tired, or there's a hump in the road, and you fall flat because you just can't persevere that last 25%, that's not for you. Like this, there's a reason why only crazy people really succeed in entrepreneurship. It's because the definition of like being, what's the word for it? The definition of being psychotic, I guess, is like doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. That's what entrepreneurs do. We keep going, we keep going until we see that like light at the end of the tunnel. And that's not for everyone. So it's much easier to collect a paycheck, get full benefits, have date paid days off, like work for somebody as long as it's somebody that you really believe in and um, can still make your mark. I tell people that all the time. I feel like in this culture, people think they can't make their mark unless they're an entrepreneur. And that's just not true. There's plenty of ways to do it without having your own business. But if you just can't possibly fathom doing something, you know, where you're working for someone else, then you're probably not meant to do that.
you talk a little bit about your brand. How have you gone about crafting it? Like, was that something that was intentional? Like, this is what Ariel Lewis is and stands for? Or was it something that developed gradually? Um, I think that that's a kind of loaded question for me because I'm compelled to... I'm just a very, like, truthful, blunt person. Yeah. <laughs> I can't take the credit for my brand. I just can't. I mean, I'm, but I'm also very fortunate. And I hate saying stuff like this because then I feel like people hear it and they're like, oh, well, that's not my situation. So she just got lucky. Um, there's no such thing as luck in my mind when it comes to stuff like that. But because I would have found it in some other way. But long story short, my best friend from the third grade grew up to become a graphic designer. And anybody in business will know who really has been in business for a while your brand is a big big part of like how you obtain your clientele how you establish yourself in the world of business who you are it's the it's the first impression right from your logo to your website to all of the consistencies throughout Uh, and so I got very fortunate that my best friend literally is a graphic designer and she helped me in ways that I would have never understood I remember when we were first developing the logo I mean it looked horrendous I was like into like colors and this and that and just like very trendy things and she was like this is not timeless what is your brand what does it stand for who do you want to be in 10 years Uh, and everything she described is where I'm at right now I wanted to be the go-to bridal makeup and hair team for a woman that wants to look like a timeless classic beauty that isn't trying to just go on trends or get that face beat that's going to make her look like unrecognizable in 25 years to her children I want her to just look like the most polished and like celebrity version of herself Um, and so Taylor helped me create that uh, before I really understood the meaning behind it and then over the years I gradually came to like embrace and understand what I needed to do to like push forward that that message right so uh, if you look at my Instagram today it it is curated towards that brand toward this timeless elegance towards this like classic beauty towards this like be yourself and feel empowered by being yourself and not pretending to be somebody else that's what the Ariel Lewis brand has come to uh, encompass but I certainly didn't come up with that all by myself. I don't think we ever come up with these things by ourselves, though. And I think that luck, to some degree, has to do with everyone's success in life. Like, there's no success that anyone has that doesn't go back to some being in the right place at the right time, just having happening to talk to so-and-so who knew so-and-so. Like, I think luck is part of all of our stories, to be honest. So I think luck is an interesting way of putting it because at the same time, if you're not asking the question that's going to put you in front of the so-and-so and have the thought in your mind that projects you going towards the right so-and-so that happens to be the lucky person that knows <laughs> right. how to tell you the lucky thing that you needed to know, yep. like, is that luck or is that, like, what Oprah has some really good quote. Exactly. Right, there's some quote like, that yeah. somebody said that's way smarter than I am that was like, look, there's no such thing as luck. luck it's really yeah. just being prepared. Right. And then when the opportunity presents itself. Yeah, it's true. Oh, because, yeah. like, if, but if you think about it, like, it just makes perfect sense. If you're not actively thinking about where you want to be and who it is that you want to meet, how does the lucky thing happen? Because that right. lucky p- person could be sitting across from you at a dinner party. And if you're not projecting what you want, how right. would they ever know? and be able to give you that chicken nugget. Um, but I'm curious to find out, why weddings? <laughs> so I, that's a really good question. I don't think anybody's ever asked me that before. Crazy. And I, I should say crazy. Weddings are beautiful. They All are. behind the scenes. Yeah, so I didn't know that at the time. So, you know, um, 
That's a really good question. I'm going to have to think about that for a second. Why the heck did I get into weddings to start? <laughs> so I, my background is as a speech therapist. I had been, I had gotten married in 2009, uh, left my profession in 2011 to stay home with my daughter. I guess the only real experience I had of doing makeup at that point had been for weddings because working at the Bobby Brown counter in Towson throughout college, the first gig I ever got outside of Nordstrom was a wedding which I wasn't supposed to take, but it was a wedding. So uh, I I guess that was just all I knew. But in hindsight, from a business perspective, it was really smart because it's the highest grossing, you know, payout. Uh, You're not a starving artist as a bridal makeup artist. You are a consistent business owner. And somewhere, I guess at my third year mark, I realized, like, as passionate as I am about makeup, as passionate as I am about, like, just the art of beauty and all of that like I am 10 times more passionate about the art of entrepreneurship and so it didn't have to be makeup Uh, I started an experiential marketing company which is like completely off the cuff people look at me like I'm nuts like who how dare you who are you to start a marketing agency and I was like look at this point because it really took off in the last year or so I've had my business for nine years I've been a marketing agency for myself for nine years I learned a lot and I've helped some really big brands in their marketing. That says more than somebody who just works with companies trying to market them, in my opinion at least. That's like first-hand experience of how I grew my business. Yeah. 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 So it's it's interesting. I just, at, at that shift that happened where I realized like I wasn't, for me, ever going to be satisfied as a makeup artist and that I really felt like my calling was business and entrepreneurship and empowering women and helping other women start businesses. That shifted my gears a lot. And so I started public speaking. I started doing podcast interviews like this one. I started doing panels and stuff because I felt like I had a lot to share and I didn't want to keep it all to myself. Whereas a lot of my competitors are really tight-lipped about how they did things and how they do things. And so their team members feel that their team members feel like I work for you you don't tell me how you got to where you are you don't want to open up that box to me I'm out here in the dust to find and figure it out for myself I don't ever want to do that I feel like that makes for a better team too like how you were saying earlier how you're artists you have artists on your team that are like you know what one day I do want to go out on my own you know somebody else that they may feel threatened by that but the fact that you know you're like okay I just hope that I'm just a piece on your journey you know because at the end of the day one thing that stuck with me one of my parents friends said this to me a long time ago when I started my business and the very first girl that wanted to go out on her own I was a hundred percent offended and I was 100% like taken back by it and felt stabbed in the back by it and just like all the negative feelings that you could possibly feel um, and it's it's embarrassing for me to admit that now, but I'm still dear friends with that girl today. We mended all of that because when I realized that this this man who who was a good friend of my family's, I was venting to my family, I think around Thanksgiving or something, about how this horrible thing had happened and how she was leaving my team and she was going to go work for herself. And we had a non-compete at the time because that's what all of my competitors had, which basically means you can't go start your own business or work for another company for as long as you work with mine. Um, he said to me, like, are you that intimidated by her? Are you that afraid? Like, don't you understand that the secret sauce to your business is you? And, like, what if she one day becomes a huge success 
you know, to the level of like global recognition. Do you want to be known in that interview as the person that tried to hold her back? Or do you want to be known in that interview as the person that like held her hand and helped her and mentored her and pushed her forward? And then maybe one day, you never know, you might be in a position where you're begging her for a job, you know, or asking her for a job or just saying like, I don't want to do this anymore. Can you help me out? Don't burn your bridges. And I was just like, what? Like mind blowing. (laughs) What in the world are you talking about? But I took it to heart and I called her and I apologized and I immediately let go of the non-compete in my business and a shift happened within and the team culture shifted to that whole like, hey, listen, ladies, you can work for yourself. You can have your own website. You can promote yourself on Instagram. You can do whatever you want. Just be honest with me. Don't let me feel like you're doing it behind my back. Just be truthful with me and I will open everything to you. But just don't be shady about it because that doesn't make me feel comfortable. And from then on, like, yeah, big things changed and it was great. You have a post on Instagram that speaks to this desire to empower other entrepreneurs. And you talk about how you shouldn't chase the money. I think that's also where you talk about being an entrepreneur is not for everyone. But you also talk about how you're making more money than you would have made with your degrees. How do you, I guess, and everything you said, every sentence in that post, which I need to pull up, was poignant. But how do you do that balance? I guess how, when you're empowering female entrepreneurs, what are the lessons you try to impart to them as you empower them to start businesses? It's, again, to me, it keeps resonating back to this really crucial point of not putting that pressure on your business, not putting that pressure on yourself. Because women are so quick to, and just not even just women, just people in general, in today's culture and in today's like you know <clears throat> generation millennials especially which i am technically a millennial we like instant gratification we have a really hard time sticking it in the mud and staying there until like results happen we want results quickly when we want the answer to something for our children for example my daughter wants to know like you know what temperature it is on mars i can google it <laughs> like and in 2 seconds i got an answer for you Entrepreneurship is not that way. So I think that with so much of what I see on social media projecting this like, ah, I'm an overnight success. I'm so cute and like smart and fabulous and like whatever. You forget that there's people watching you that are thinking like, oh man, my life's nothing like that. Like, why is she so much better than me? And like, I want to stomp and squash that so far into the dirt because that's where it belongs it is not true it's a falsity the other day I posted something about how like my Instagram page because I will get some pushback right I'll get people who semi know me uh from just the industry that'll vent to me about stuff and be like I don't know why you spend so much time on social media like I don't care about that like that doesn't matter to me I'm so authentic and true like I don't need to put myself out there and I'm like okay cool but here's the reality of it I'm a business owner this is my brand. My Instagram is my brand. And so it serves two purposes to me. One, it helps attract the type of clientele that I want to attract. It keeps me like on the subsurface of where I need to be in my industry. But I can also choose to tweak it to where I need to tweak it so that it resonates with me and doesn't make me feel like I'm being completely fake, even though my pictures are beautiful because it's a brand again at the end of the day. I'm not going to post pictures of me looking a hot mess every, you know, every other Thursday. But on my stories, you can see me without makeup and you can see me just talking very truthfully into the camera, uh, you know, with my house a mess and like all of that because you need to remember I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. 
anybody that pretends that they're perfect all the time is lying. And at the end of the day, they're only lying to themselves. I'm not interested in that. I like true authenticity all the way through. And I like that that movement is starting to also become sexy and popular. Yes. yes. How do you manage your social media? Like how, because sometimes I feel like it could be so overwhelming with like developing content or what picture to um, put up next. And how do you, do you work with like a team of people to help you with that? Or do you come up with that on your own? Do you schedule it? That is an embarrassing answer, girl, but I'll give it to you. <laughs> Authenticity, right? Authenticity, right? <laughs> so the, the answer should be, oh, I schedule it and I'm so on top of it. And like I, I have a uh, social media projection calendar. I, that is a goal that I also hope to attain one day. And I think if you look at my social media, you might think that that's what's going on. But if you were to deep dive on like the consistency of my posts and all of that, you would quickly figure out that that's clearly not what's going on. At one point, I did have a, <clears throat> a company that I worked with, and I can just tell you right now, flat out, I heavily regret it. When I first started my social media account, I didn't even, I've just always been an old soul. Like, I didn't get it. I don't understand it. I'm not, I'm not savvy when it comes to technology. I never have been. So I rejected it, and I didn't want to do it, but I did it out of obligation. So I would post like once every three weeks, like, oh, this is a really pretty picture. Or, oh, I did a magazine shoot. Let's post that. But how many other magazine shoots did I not post? How many other pretty pictures did I not post just because I wasn't in the mood or I didn't have the time? So um, I basically at one point hired an agency to help me with it, and my social media grew so quickly. And I was like, wow, this is exciting. But my comments, my like likes, my engagement was absolute crap. There was nothing going on there. So I talked to this agency. And I was like, listen, I don't understand social media. All I know is that from everyone I've talked to, they compared my business to any other business. They're like, look, it's just like Google or Apple or whoever. You don't have time for PR. You don't have time for social media. You pay somebody else to do that. So you go pay thousands of dollars for somebody to do that for you, right? And at the time, I was like, eh, I'll try it out try it out it turns out it was hurting me more than it was helping me because although the follower count started to grow my engagement rate was so low now at the time I didn't understand what engagement rate was I really didn't understand social media as a platform at all all I thought was like I'm an entrepreneur I'm the I'm the owner of my company like I don't have time for this this doesn't make sense to me I don't have time to figure it out so pay somebody else to do it um, but once I started to really see the growth that others had I read a book, and the book was called Influencer by Brittany Hennessy. And the reason I read that, read that book was because I wanted to learn how to work with influencers in order to be able to engage with them more because I just saw that something wasn't right about my social media. Even though my follower count was raising up, it was also falling. It was like doing this weird wave of like increase in volume to lower follower count, and I wasn't even engaging on it. So I decided to fire that company altogether after reading this book. And also after reading this book, I realized like, hey, I don't, I don't need to necessarily hire influencers and work with them all the time. I could be one. And if the real like purpose of this whole like influencer thing with social media is if you're doing it from an authentic space to help people, then I want to do that. And who's better to tell the story of my business than me? And who's better to interact with my clientele than me? So I started taking over it back in 2016, right around when Cruz was born. Maybe it was, yeah, it was about 2016-17 when I started taking over it. And I realized that unbeknownst to me, this agency, which is why I highly recommend never working with one, 
was using whatever type of algorithms they had to like get followers that they say aren't bots, but who the hell knows? I don't understand it still to this day. But what I do understand is that there's accounts out there whose sole purpose is to follow other accounts just to hype them up, but aren't really like vested and it's not part of a real community. So then I had the great, horrible uh, exercise of having to go in and start deleting some of those accounts but while producing content that was actually going to bring in people that cared about me and that wanted to be vested in my story and my journey. And so still today, I'm, I'm juggling that. But at this point, we've grown our following so much in a very organic, natural way. And I regret ever doing it a way that, again, I didn't do it to cut corners because I didn't understand I did it because that's what I thought business owners were supposed to do. Um, but... I would just highly recommend never doing that because it puts you in a hole. You have to work where I'm at right now. I have to work 10 times as hard as somebody who just did it organically from the jump. You talked a little bit about your diversity, kind of, I think, before we started re- recording. Can you talk about your background and how that plays into, because I'm big on how our diversity makes everything we do better, bottom line. How does that, does that influence your business at all? And if so, how do you see kind of your, the different facets of, what make you you how do they come through to improve your business I mean I think diversity is something that helps any business just differentiate itself and expand and grow because your your clientele might be you've heard of like the avatar in marketing right like you've got your avatar she shops here she has this type of car she makes x y and z income she likes to do whatever like the levels of the avatar are her favorite color whatever uh she comes in many different shapes sizes faiths you know complexions backgrounds cultures too Uh, so the more diversity I have within my business with my artists with myself it it helps resonate with more people Uh, if we were just you know I'm personally I'm Hispanic If, if all of my clientele were Hispanic I would never attract anybody outside of my Hispanic community and that being from my background being a Hispanic girl that grew up in a very um in a very non-diverse area uh, but then being married to an African-American man and having mixed children and uh, being raised being baptized Catholic being raised Jewish uh, finding my way to Christianity and then back to Judaism and then back to just being a spiritual person I mean I think all of that are little like check marks on the diversity scale that help me click with different people at different times and make me really well-rounded Oh, wait, I'm just going back to your response. <laughs> I was going to say, how long is it going to take you to process? <laughs> I was like, yeah, like, she said, I lost my Jewish, a Jewish guy from Philly. Oh, wow. Oh, and yeah, so my, my dad, um, you know, raised me my whole life. And I, like most children that are raised as part of a religion where, and, and I think when you're with a step parent that you're trying to, you know, assimilate yourself to as yeah. much as you can. I became a super Jew. Oh, wow. I joke about that. Like, I mean, I literally became a Hebrew school teacher. I went through confirmation. I went through the mikvah, which, um, is like a baptism in Judaism to like fully, you know, uh, convert yourself to Judaism. Uh, 
I was raised in a Jewish home. I mean, that's what it was. I never had a Christmas tree. I mean, this is who I was. And I was very confused because I was like Mexican and Jewish and lived in a very waspy town. It was interesting. But uh, as time went on, I realized I just had some questions about faith and stuff that I, I really wanted to get answered on my own. So I did a lot of years of deep dive research, so to speak. And yeah, so that's gotten me to where I'm at today. And happy to say at the end, here we are. We finished on time. The bride looks gorgeous. Gorgeous. She was so happy. We hugged. They felt like, you know, although I I wasn't dishonest with them, I was completely transparent with them. Mm -hmm. I was like, here's what happened. There was a hiccup. They were like, look, I don't care. As long as I look pretty and I finish on time, I forgive you. Just make it happen. And that's what we did. And she'll remember that. She won't even remember, like, what happened, like, the glitch. She'll remember that Ariel showed up and came through and delivered yeah and that no matter what your business is I see this all the time in so many different aspects of questions I don't care if you're selling peanuts or beer or makeup or a podcast whatever it is you're offering a service to someone and your ultimate job is to deliver on what you're saying you're going to deliver on I don't know how you make that happen because sometimes you know God the universe will will test you and say hey here you go can you make this happen? Right. And you're like, yes, I can. Yes, I can. With your help, yes, I can. Yeah. No, that's so true. It's it's a, it's good as a, a business owner. Because mistakes are going to happen. Things are going to happen. Um, but it's how you, I guess, how you make your clients feel, mm-hmm. you know? so That's so key. It's feeling at the end of the day. I mean, those women upstairs, you saw them firsthand. Oh, my gosh. They trusted me. They really yes. did. Full heartedly. They were like, nope. I know that if you say you're going to deliver, you're going to deliver. deliver, And I know, and I trust myself enough to know I was going to deliver. So that was one of the things that stood out to me, actually, when we walked in the room was everybody was incredibly calm. And again, I think that's a testament to how much faith they had in you. Um, Because I remember thinking, are we in the right room? Because everybody seems really chill here. Because if this was my wedding day and my makeup, who are you? (laughs) Everybody was like, oh, yeah. We're, you know, she's was, here now. She's here. We're okay. And we're, you know, but they were already calm before we got there. Mm-hmm. And I think again, because I know you spoke to the bride on the phone. Yeah. I don't know do if you, you heard sh- that conversation. Do you share? No, I didn't actually, because I think you were in the next room. Yeah. I need to step away from you guys. I mean, I didn't know you as well as I feel like I know you now. It was funny when we were joking in the car, like, we're going to get real close well, after real quick. this, guys, because <laughs> we're about to see. I mean, it's true. When you, when you witness someone in a moment of utter weakness, yeah. there is nothing that will ever make you feel closer to that person than just straight up vulnerability and like guard down. I had no choice. I mean, I had no choice but to be honest with you and be like, here's what's going down. Like, are you with me or are you not? Right. And you could have easily said no, but I'm glad you said yes. I think it it has all worked out. We're here in this beautiful space, very quiet at the West End. It's a beautiful hotel and we're getting this done. But, I mean, we could have all panicked, and we didn't. Uh, so at one point, the maid of honor gets on the phone with me. She's a long-term client of mine. Um, this bride is from New York City, came from out of town, has no backstory with my reputation outside of her best friend telling her, like, Ariel is the best. She's the only one I trust for you. And yet here we are on the wedding day, frantically calling Ariel, like, where are you? Right? So... Uh, so many internal things going on with that feeling like I have to make this up to Erin who Mm. is this woman who has been loyal to my business for years like I have to come through for her 
And so I said, just put the bride on the phone. Let me talk to her. And that conversation literally went down like this. It was like, Kim, hear my voice. I promise you with every fiber of my being that you will look beautiful today and that you will get done on time. I have an artist coming out there. She's going to take care of half your bridal party. So although we're not going to arrive on the original schedule, because she's there as a second artist, I'm not doing it by myself and it cuts our timeline in half. So between the two of us, we're going to get done right on time. And we wound up getting done 15 minutes early. Like it wound up being other little things that the bride and I was going to, hey, I wasn't going to say to her like, my timeline's done at 2.15. Right. After everything that happened this morning, I was like, I'm going to stay here till 7 o'clock p.m. <laughs> if you want me to. I'll send these ladies home in an Uber. Like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I need to deliver because at the end of the day, customer service is like the pillar that I think any business stands on. And I needed to deliver on that while at the same time trying to be conscientious of the fact that I had, you know, offered to do something for the two right. of you. And I wanted to bring value to you guys with that. So it really did work out. Yeah. Can you speak to the amount of, just hearing you talk, just the amount of confidence that that takes as a business owner? Like, you don't know how much traffic there was going to be. Like, there's so many things that are out of your control. Um, How many people, like, you were making phone calls to your team. Like, are you available? (laughs) Hello? What are you doing right now? (laughs) You heard it, right? You you don't know how many people were going to show up. But, like, you were so confident. And I think you said this before, like, your confidence kind of like made everybody feel confident. Like, where do you feel like that comes from? It's so interesting that you point that out so poignantly as you have, because I think when you're in the moment and it's you projecting that, you don't see that. You just Mm -hmm. feel yourself like dealing with the situation. But you're right. I mean, if I were to be talking to my daughter right now, which is what this conversation kind of, for whatever reason, brings up in me, it's like, how would I talk my kid through this? And the truth is, like, I didn't think about anything you're talking about. I didn't think, what if there's tremendous traffic? What if none of my team members say yes? What if nobody's available? I literally thought the opposite of all of that. I thought, there's going to be no traffic. Somebody is going to pull through for me. Somehow, this is going to happen. There is no choice but yes. Right. And all that confidence, I guess, just comes from, like, knowing that the opposite of having that projection will manifest the opposite of what it's, you know, what you're looking to achieve. So if I'm coming into the situation saying the traffic is going to be there, nobody's going to be available, that's probably the outcome I'm going to get. And I think that just comes from, you know, deep dive years back of life experience that helps you get to a point where you recognize that, like, it's, it's your attitude has so much to do with it. Right. Very true. I noticed at the end, again, I think this just speaks to how much heart you put in your work and how connected you are with your customers. Like, it seemed like you were getting moved even as you were hugging LJ and hugging, um, oh, I don't think I got Kim, Kim and, and Aaron. Mm-hmm. Aaron. Yeah. So you were, it, it was just a very moving moment. Like, I literally felt like it was, it just seemed like you were, be, you were really moved. And I don't I think grateful. it was. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about what was happening for you then? I mean, look, at the end of the day, again, I go back to this. You have two choices. They had two choices. They could have completely fallen apart, frantically and spastically broken down, ruined the entire mood and not trusted me and said, no, like we are upset. I don't care. Even if you can come through, I am angry that it didn't go down the way I thought it was going to go down. Yeah. 
or they had the choice to say, look, I'm going to go on a whim here and trust you. And when I walked through those doors and LJ showed up and we were able to finish on time, they chose to like make that mental internal shift to say like, you delivered, right? And so thank you. And the fact that they made that choice moves me Mm. and makes me so grateful and appreciative because I know that they didn't have to make that choice. They chose to make that choice. And that helped me to just feel like even more connected to them and just grateful as a human being to another human being being like, thank you. Thank you for letting this go down this way, this on this path of positivity because it could have not. Right. And not even for myself, it's not coming from a space of selfishness, like, oh, thank you for not, you know, freaking out on me and deciding you don't want to pay me or Lord knows what catapulted weirdness could have happened if you were just going to be in a space of negativity with it, which I could have been, I would have been totally prepared for. Because on the ride up here, as you're interviewing me, asking questions, I was like, I might just give them today for free. At the end of the day, it's my fault. Even if it's not my physical fault because I'm not the one that scheduled this or because the one that like put the timeline in, it doesn't matter. It's my name at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And if I'm going to go out there and do this on my own for free, I will do it with as much grace and pride and gratitude and everything that I would have done if I was being paid full price for it because it doesn't matter. This is my baby. This is what I worked so hard to build. So the fact that they appreciated me and recognized that I made that I came through even though there was a hiccup and that they didn't harp on that, but were just able to receive that like wowness with me that we all got it done on time, psh, that almost moved me to tears. Mm. Again, biggest emergency of my business you all recognized today and saw firsthand, which is insane because that's very serendipitous. And what are the chances of that? Right. <sighs> Deep breath. Deep breath. <laughs> you, you talk about, so even your website has you as a DMV makeup artist. Is that part of your focus in terms of this is the area that I'm going to stay focused on? Are you planning to go national? Like, how did you decide what your... I guess with your brand, do you have boundaries, if you will, for your brand? So the Ariel Lewis brand, which is the bridal beauty brand, will always be in the DMV as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it's just such a niche market and it requires so much attention to detail. I don't think today, if you ask me, would I feel comfortable with expanding the bridal company into states where I'm not a active presence as they are doing their trial runs and their contracts and their pairing of the artists. No, I don't think so. Because from what I've learned and from what I've seen success come from in my business, it's that attention to detail and it's that attachment to me as a leader within the, you know, the owner uh, that has really brought us success um, and not just like uh, pairing people out with women who they've, who aren't the name of the company, so to speak. But at the same time, that's why I started the A-List. The A-List is literally a little sister of Ariel Lewis LLC. It's the DBA. It's doing business as. um, And it focuses on that non-specific need of bridal. So you want to blow out. You want to do hair and makeup for your prom. You want to do it because you're graduating. You want to do it because you're a panelist or a speaker. You hire the A-List experiential entertainment wise it's a whole nother story our business has dived into marketing and experiential marketing and we've thrived in that space uh, because it all comes down to at some point I learned like I'm not just in this for makeup I'm in this because I love business and entrepreneurship yeah so I've expanded but um but yeah so national we already are national we've got artists in New York we've got artists in 
uh, Florida. We've got artists in Philadelphia, New Jersey, um, Miami. It's hard for me to think. That is just about everywhere that we've expanded the A-list thus far, but uh, plans for just total national expansion with A-list for sure. That's awesome. Not with Ariel Lewis LLC, though. Yeah, that's understandable because people want that personal connection. Especially on their wedding day. Yeah, especially on their wedding day. Yeah, so that makes sense. Um, I guess with your hiring, what's that process like of selecting artists? That must be... Because each, I'm assuming like each artist has their own strength. Like, how do you go about like, is this the right artist for my brand? I think that's a really good question. I think that it's funny. It's it's changed so much over time. Um, who we were ten years ago versus who we are today is different. But the consistent thread throughout that time has always been: Are you as passionate about making people feel good as I am? Forget your artistry. Forget how you do it. Because in my industry, it's very easy as an artist to be like, you do eyes first, not not foundation first. Mm-hmm. Or you use this product instead of this product. And so many of my competitors, I say in air quotes, or women that do what I do will question me and say, how could you possibly allow these women to carry your name? Like, I am an artist. I am a true artist. And I would never allow someone else who does it different than I do or just who is not me to carry my name that's my reputation that's who I am that's my artistry and the truth is I'm not so attached to the artistry of it I'm attached to the end result Mm -hmm. the end result to me is do you feel gorgeous yeah do you feel well taken care of was the customer service at the level that you needed it to be do you feel confident in this person and are you grateful that that was your art artist so forget the product forget the brushes forget the how they got there was the end result the same end result that I give my clients and if the answer is yes then you're good enough to work for me 100% you're probably too good to work for me but I'm grateful that you want to work for me for right now yeah yeah that that makes sense because you could have like all the makeup in the world right but still not feel beautiful yeah Um, so for somebody to help you I guess, make you feel beautiful. It's energy. Yeah, it is. It's a personality click thing. I hire women based off of, I mean, they certainly have to be talented. You also can't just be slapping, you know, (laughs) clown makeup on people and being like, I make you feel real pretty. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what your fiance said or anybody else. You look great. Even though your eyelashes (laughs) flapping in the wind, like they got to, you got to have some technical skill. Right. uh, For sure. But like really, (laughs) right. Snuffleupagus style. No, like you've got to look good too. But more, importantly how do you make them feel do you have an attitude there's so many girls nowadays they'll come in for interviews and it's just like you can tell they think Mm. they're like the world's gift you know and they're like i'm so good at doing my own makeup and like you look at their instagrams and it's like 1000 duck face selfies (laughs) where's your clients where's like the my client you know where's (laughs) the you know 65 year old mother of the bride where's grandma where's the Asian best friend where's the black best friend where's the Hispanic girl where's the girl who's got you know really really big issues with acne where's the chick who has vitiligo where is Mm. all the things that are not your perfect little 21 year old face where's that that's what I want to see if you can do that so your technical skill is there and you've got a serving heart then you're good enough to work on my team. Yeah. We saw a good example of that today. Yes. Like LJ. LJ killed it. <laughs> LJ killed it. LJ was the MVP. Yeah, it was. She's awesome. 
I love that again. Girl. Another instant BFF. I felt like I'd known LJ forever, but back and to we weren't but even LJ getting our faces that done. Personality. Yeah, she you does. all weren't even getting magic from her. Done. And we had but that her connection. energy yeah. was there. Yes. She's a perfect example of a true artist. Yeah. yeah, that isn't just like I mean, you saw her kit. Her kit was on point. Mm-hmm. It was like a mini Sephora. She, away, <laughs> she like, had all the things. It up. Yeah, LJ has gone through my kit so many times, trying to help me just like condense. <laughs> I love that girl. But no, she came through today in a way that I just, the gratitude, and she knows it, you know? Like, she knows it. Do you think you'll ever, is, is that one of your goals? Like, that you think you'll maybe have, like, your own line one day? To tackle eventually? To tackle? On top of everything else? <laughs> yeah. Because you're not um, doing enough, clearly. Because I don't do enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we haven't even talked about motherhood, so yeah. Uh, right. No, you know. No. Just yeah. lacking off there. Absolutely. I mean, I have a line right now. It's vegan, organic based lipsticks Lipsticks, and glosses. Okay. Um, I have not found the right chemist and lab that I want to work with for my foundations and concealers. But my niche that I really want to um, dive into or put my mark in is for women of color, a organic vegan based makeup that speaks to us. Because I remember working for Bobby back in the day and not being able to achieve your complexion lisa right like hating that hating that i couldn't cover up my under eye circles without them looking opaque hating that anybody over my or deeper than my complexion wasn't able to be achieved and then when the organic and vegan market started happening realizing that the same pattern was happening again a lot of it was for women who were much fairer than we are the three of us would never be able to find our ideal shade and that me owed you know so I um one day have a dream of creating a line that is vegan organic um clean and green leaves a low carbon footprint and is specifically geared towards women of color awesome cannot wait to have that happen (laughs) yes maybe we'll see if we have time we only have time for big dreams dreams so totally makes sense so can you talk about kind of the network of women you surround yourself with? Do you surround yourself with fellow girl bosses? Like how do, I, I assume you do, because I think people, who, similar people roll in the same circle. So how do you tackle the issue of your network and making sure you're with people who spur you on and vice versa? So I think that <clears throat> when you're younger, you just surround yourself with people that make you feel good, right? Naturally. Yep. Uh, sometimes they're not great people. Sometimes they're people that roll in bad circles. Sometimes they're just people that are into the same silly things that you're into. But as you get older and more in tune with who you are, you tend to attract people who are about what you're about, yes. right? And then if you step into this weird, awkward space of entrepreneurship, you recognize that like there's either going to be people that break you down or mm-hmm. people that build you up. And even outside of entrepreneurship, I think that's real. But especially in this space, you you just you have no choice right. but to make a conscientious decision about who you're surrounding yourself with because time is of the essence. You are your HR department. You are your marketer. You yes. are your all the things, all right? The things. Your lawyer, you're this, you're that, you're conceptual, like, you know, you're just the, <laughs> the everything. So... I tend to surround myself with like-minded women Mm -hmm. because I'm not attracted to people that are not like-minded women. I've, I've experienced both things. I've Mm. experienced being a working mother. I've experienced being a stay at home mom. mom. Yeah. And I personally gained something from both. 
Um, I think being a stay-at-home mom is way harder personally than being a working mom. A hundred percent. I would want a thousand times. It's a full-time job. Are you serious? Absolutely. So I thought I, w- I thought you would say it's as hard. You think it's harder? No. Nope. Why do you think it's 100%. harder? hundred percent. I will tangent, put all my chips I, over here. Really? Working moms have it easier than stay-at-home moms, and the reason is this: as a working mom. You have an attainable goal that you will see progress on, whether it's your boss or you're an entrepreneur and it's coming with your income increases or it's like seeing the team build up. You get instant gratification in some capacity and some sort of recognition for what you're doing. When you're a stay-at-home mom, your baby boy or your little girl loves you tremendously, but they cannot articulate to you their progress. Sometimes you don't even see progress. Sometimes like, you have negative yeah, progress, exactly. right? But yeah. yet you're there showing up every single day. Your husband right. comes home. He's tired. He worked all day, but he got to talk to full grown adults. adults, right? You've yes. been talking to a three-year-old boy. I'm ranting on my own right now because my son is three, <laughs> three. years old. I love Cruz Lewis. You'll hear this one day. I love you, baby. He calls me. Here's a funny thing. Have you heard of Mama Llama or Llama Llama? Yeah, the books? Llama Llama, yes. Yeah. His favorite books. When we're at the grocery store or anywhere in public, he'll be like, Mommy, if I'm like busy doing something, Mama, busy doing something. Llama! <laughs> in public. I'm like, I know that's me. I'm like, yes, yes. Mama, Mama Llama, come here. I am a llama Mama all llama. day. I am his llama. I am his personal llama. And I get paid zero dollars to be a llama. Giving, to be a llama. Giving giving. All day long. And it's great. One day I will see that growth. My kids, my oldest child is eight years old. So I've seen growth up until that point. Right. And look, I can tell you there are some things that she says where I just feel tremendous gratitude. And I'm like, I am doing something right. right. Elu, you and me, baby, we are doing it right. <laughs> this girl is smart. She is insightful she is grateful i am so happy to be her mom but there are other times where i look at things and i'm just like oh my goodness what is happening it's hard yeah yeah i see being it all a, the time being a who mom are is your hard. parents right who raised you yeah and like he said mama llama and she listened she called me llama so. i'm at wegmans you're like llama and i'm like yes baby what's up can't believe I respond to that. That's hilarious. Not a good pet name. Well, last question as we wrap everything up. um, With everything that you have going on, what is your, I mean, you have two businesses. You're a mom of two. Like, you have a high-profile social media. um, Like, with everything that you're balancing in your business and your personal life. And you're going to create this future. (laughs) Yes. Green. Let's edit that out because I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to do that. We're holding you to it. Accountability. You're what? doing it. We need it. What? Like that takes some discipline. Yeah. Like, so what is, I want to know, like, what is your what's routine like? like? Yeah. What's a, what's a no, typical don't. day? Because <laughs> we've seen like uh, emergency day, which right, is amazing emergency, and flawless. But this is not every day. But so what like, is a regular is, day like? Yeah. What is your regular okay. day like? So that idea of discipline absolutely is a lovely thing to achieve mm-hmm. in life. Yeah. I have ADD. I'm very open about that. I literally have ADD, not ADHD, but ADD, which is attention deficit disorder, which I think is kind of secretly my superpower because I, while as a Virgo, I'm very, very methodical about what I want to do. I am. August 30th. How about you? Sabine 20th. Sabine 20th. That's not a month, friend. (laughs) September 20th. Perfect. So we tend to be very like... We like to plan things out. I want to know what's coming up. I like to whatever. But 
in all of that great genuine effort, my ADD gets in place, comes in, you know, into default sometimes. And I can't consistently achieve that because I get bored very easily. So I'm a dreamer. I've always been a dreamer. I'm a creative person. Mm -hmm. Uh, That confidence, I guess, comes somewhere into play where I just feel like I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to be able to do it. I'm not saying that there's no planning because there certainly is. I mean, you have to at some point be able to get from point A to point B and draw a straight line to it. When, when my mind is in it, and I think this is true for people with ADD or without ADD, when your mind is set on something, you will plot out the points of how to get there. Absolutely. And it's finding the things that don't bore you. And that keep you interested That's enough yes. that really drive you to want to get to that point B and then C and then D to achieve the goal. And my motto in life is if it's not giving me that kind of drive where I'm like forcing myself to do it because I'm not interested, but I feel like I have to, it's not for me. But if I'm doing it because I can't wait to get to the end goal, that's when I know it's the right thing. And it doesn't feel like work. It's very easy and smooth to get there because when you're, just so excited about something you just get it done you know I don't know I mean your question is interesting because I don't feel like I'm answering it directly but I kind of am in a roundabout way you're no you are you actually made me reminded me of somebody that I listen to a lot um he says you're not lazy you're just bored yeah (laughs) find something that you want to do and, and it's not so hard, it. man. Yes, you'll find a way to do it. And when it gets well, hard, you continue. That yeah. Because you're Cause motivated, because you like it. Yep. And I used to think that was only like an ADD thing, but right. I realized, no, Mm-mm. that's a life thing. Yeah. If you're doing something that you don't like, you're only going to be able to like persevere, but so, but much, so much before you hit a wall and yeah. say like, I'm done. I'm, done. I'm either bored or I'm not getting a result or I'm tired. Which is fair. Right. Yeah. So that's my advice. I guess to your question, the answer is when things aren't motivating you anymore internally because you like the end result so much that you're not walking but running towards it, that's when you know, like, it's probably not for you. Not for you. And I'm not saying that there's every part of business. Like, I hate answering my emails except for when they're emails that like give me opportunities I'm really excited about. Right. But like the mundane emails, but that's why I hire somebody to like come work for me that can handle some of those tasks because you know what? She, my, my admin, my team manager, although I don't find that stuff exciting and interesting, she thrives off of that, off of the strategy and the like lists and the systems. Like she loves that. (laughs) She might not be vested in every single email, but she just loves the fact that she can check that off her box and be like, (laughs) accomplished, accomplished, accomplished. Like she's great at that. I call her the email ninja. So I guess it's also um, not doing everything yourself, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And delegating and having a team. And, and as soon as possible, man. That's the other thing. So many yeah. of us, especially as women, we Want undervalue ourselves and how much we can make. We undervalue ourselves and how much we can quote for things. We under like we just tend to be so afraid to hire someone. We feel like we've got to do it on our own until the very last possible moment. And like I learned pretty early on I was gonna lose my mind if I had tried to do that. And so I had to figure out a way. I can't 
my I will not thrive. I need somebody that can do the tasks that I'm no good at. Right. And so I will find a way to pay that person. And with the confidence and the faith that if I pay that person to take that off my plate, I can use my brain for the things that I'm Your good at, at, which is my creativity and my innovation and then leverage this person to help me with these other things. And to that person, they're using their creativity because that takes creativity in and of itself. Yeah, right. It's not where my brain thrives, but her brain thrives over there. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank and you for having me. We've been, I feel like, yeah. Thank we're you for so our drinks. Oh, yes. absolutely. <laughs> yes, thank you for our drinks. So we're just so grateful that we had an opportunity to meet you in person. Yes. And this adventure has been like memorable. Yes. (laughs) We are happy to be It has been memorable. We are. We will remember this forever. Acquaintances to family. Right. Quickly. (laughs) Very quickly. In zero time. So So thank thank you. you. So that was by far our most unconventional interview, which even though it was recorded before COVID, It couldn't be more like 2020 if it tried, right? Like we had the unexpected. We had the need to pivot, to use the most overused word of 2020. We had to move into new directions and improvise. And to Ariel's credit, she didn't miss a beat, as you all heard. And because we were recording in the car, the first time we've ever had to do that, by the way, I know you've heard, you heard some glitches in our audio that were different from when we were at the hotel recording. But thank you for sticking with us. We thoroughly enjoyed this interview. It was a masterclass, you know, on the road. And as we're wrapping up the wild ride that was 2020, we want to wish you a happy, healthy, safe, and unusual holiday season. (laughs) And given the year that we've had, I'm pretty sure everyone could use a little uplifting and encouraging content. Mm -hmm. So if you have enjoyed our podcast this year, since our existence, we ask that you share it with a friend this holiday season as a gift to them and as a gift to us. So we thank you again for listening and be sure to subscribe and review our podcast and follow us on all of the things. All the things. (laughs) Bye. Bye.